You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. Thursday, July the 6th. A little overcast, but warm here in TW11 this morning, warming towards the Coral Eclipse. Sandown Saturday, news just broken. And Mart is out. Trainer Owen Burrows has told the Racing Post the horse has a sore foot pointing towards an abscess and that means he won't be able to take his chance. We could be down to a field as short as four for the Coral Eclipse, more of which in a few moments' time. Syndicates are under the microscope again after a syndicate that had horses in Rebecca Menz's yard went into insolvency, owing the trainer £20,000. I've got a response from the British Horse Racing Authority later in the show. Looking ahead also to the Group 1 action in France, the Jean Prat, and the big race at Saint-Cloud, the Grand Prix de Saint-Cloud, Westover was declared for that yesterday. But first, a case that has had everybody talking that emanated from a pretty lowly race at Worcester over jumps last night and the running and riding of a horse called Hilsin. Uh, which could yet become a, a significant integrity inquiry. You're going to be hearing in a moment a lengthy interview with Hillsin's trainer, Chris Honor. But first, Jack Keane, racing correspondent from The Sun. Jack, what happened yesterday? Yeah, morning, Nick. So it was in the 5.28 race yesterday at, at Worcester, their jumps card and the uh, the final race on the card. Uh, Three-pound claimer Dylan Kitts was riding 11-1 shot Hillsin, um, and it, it, it it blew up on social media, as I'm sure you're aware. He was he rode the horse quietly in rear early on, uh, brought him with a, a gradual challenge into the into the home straight, um, and the horse was still travelling very strongly over the last. But but Dylan uh, didn't appear to be all action in the finish, and the horse finished a very close third without the jockey ever really getting serious on him. Um, so the, the stewards called him in, uh, held an inquiry, uh, a running and riding inquiry, and. And it, it's been referred to the BHA. It doesn't look particularly good um, for, for Dylan, who, who had a 14-day non-try ban just two months ago. So he's in hot water again with the BHA. But um, as you can understand, a lot of punters are very unhappy about this. They're very unhappy. Um, also quite distressed about this is the trainer of Hills Inn, Chris Honour, to whom I spoke earlier on today. And this is what he had to say. You know, up until he's uh, jumped, jumped the last hurdle, he's done exactly what we've said. You know, I've had the horse now here for a month. I've watched back all his replays from his runs. Um, you know, he's come from, you know, he, he, originally he was you know, good, a good trainer. Um, and I've watched everything and I've decided, you know, it's definitely on his second last run. The best thing, the best way to ride him is to drop him in, take your time, move him into the race, keep hold of his head. And then, you know, go and win your race. And, you know, I've, I've ridden him every day since I've had him. Um, I knew the horse was in great shape. You know, he's proved that. He's, one of, he's run one of his best races of his career. Um, and the lad, you know, to a, certain, <laughs> to a certain extent, he's done what I've said. Don't let go of his head. But he should have, say, made more of an effort. Um, you know, I'm... I'm beside myself about the whole thing. You know, I, it's not something that I, you know, I've had, I've had, I've had phone calls to my wife last night um, and, and she's been in tears. Um, I, I'm, I'm upset about it. This is not my, this is not my, 
not something I want to be involved in. Um, you know, in my mind, I did my job. The horse has run its best race, um, or one of his best races. Um, to, to the point, you know, I I don't want to be, you know, dropping the jockey in trouble with the, the ride he has. He, he's messed up. He's a seven pound claim. I told him not to let go of his head. He's gone to an extreme. Um, you know, in my mind, he, you know, I'm sure if he looks back at this morning, he's going to be disappointed with the ride he's given it. Um, it's a disappointing scenario to be dealing with, quite frankly. Um, there was a suggestion that the horse had a had a had a breathing issue. Is that something that you've you've encountered since you've had him? I, I, I've not encountered any breathing issue, but I, you know, I've ridden plenty of times in races, um, and horses have flipped the palate, um, and it's a one-off occasion. It, coming down the as you're coming down the home straight, the lad's squeezing him forward. He's, do, he's giving it a brilliant ride until the last. Till the last, you know, he's done everything right, um, but from the last, he, he hasn't made enough effort. That, that, that's you know, that's all I can say. He hasn't made enough effort. You know, in my mind, the horse should have won, um, but he hasn't. And you know, we're, we're copying the flack for it. Um, and you know, I, I, to do, have it, reading. Um, Twitter, Facebook, all those things. It, it's horrible for us. It's horrible for my family, and, and it's not something that I want to be associated with. Um, the horse, in my mind, I did my best to send him there. Like I said, I've ridden him every day myself. He's gone there in great shape. He's running a lovely race. It's a very disappointing outcome. Um, That's all I can say. And, and the only thing I looked at last night, um, Chris, because I don't, I don't follow the summer jumping that closely, was I, I looked at Dylan Kitts. I know he's been riding well lately. And I noted that, that he hadn't, I think that was his first ride to you, that he, he wasn't someone who rode for you on a, on a regular basis. So, so how, did that, how did that come about? But I, I don't, you know, I, I wanted Brian. I'm not going to lie. I, I want Brian on all of my horses. He rides all of my Brian horses. Brian Carver. He's available. Yeah, Brian Carver. Um, I wanted him on this horse. I spoke to the agents. I said, look, I want Brian on the horse. Owners have said they wanted um, Dylan. And I, and, and I said, look, if, if Dylan's elsewhere, it suits me because Brian can ride it. But the owners want Dylan to ride it. Um, you know, I I have no... You know, I, I, I don't know Dylan. I've never met him before until yesterday. I've never even spoken to him until um, till, till yesterday. Um, literally, you know, with his instructions, go out. Drop him in, take your time, keep hold of his head. And um, you know, from there, you know, I, I can't, I can't, I can't ride the race for him. Um, you know, I, I feel sorry for the lad. He's he's done what I've asked, but he's done it to an extreme that is isn't enough. It, you know, it, you, you you can't say more than that. Um, you know, people are saying that we've stopped it, but I, I've not. That's not me. I've not stopped it. It's against it's, it's against it's against our ethos of how we run and train our horses. You know, we we punched we punched we punched our above our weight. You know, hopefully we'll get to the bottom of it with with the investigation with it from the BHA. Um, I mean, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed from my team at home. You know, they don't deserve it. They work hard. I work hard. I mean, like I say, through the summer, you know, guys are on holiday. I've been riding him every day. I, you know, I've been delighted with how he's going. You know, it's lovely to have a horse come to a yard, um, and and you and you do improve it. You know, I love horses, and I, I, I you know I love them all like you know the, my family to a certain extent. But to him at the moment, you know, I went and fed him this morning, and I'm just looking at him. I'm like, you, this has caused the, the you know the worst, pretty much worst days in in, in my racing career. And I, you know, I've been in the job since I was 16, um, and it upsets me. 
Um, so, but there we go. So, I, I, you know, I hope I hope I've covered it, and I hope I've covered it for the people that have backed him. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm. I, we don't stop horses. It's not. It's not our thing. You know. It. it you know, people say it happens in racing, and and it. You know, it does. But it's not what we do. You know, we're there to try. We try and think outside the box of how to ride horses, how to run them, how to campaign them, all those sorts of things. You know, I I, I train horses. <laughs> You know, slightly different to other people, um, but I, I do believe that I've, I've I've created a good environment for my horses, and and they've succeeded. You know, to a level that, to a certain extent, we have punched above our weight. And as far as you're concerned, just the the, the simple line, Chris, you went there yesterday hoping to win that race. At no point did you give anybody any, any instructions not to win. No, no, I, ne- I would never tell somebody not to win. I'm not. It, it's not. It's not even it's not even fair to ask someone not to win you know it, it's not it, in the day you know lads go out there with the neck on the line it, you know, it's, let's say the te- team team here and they're looking at me this morning and I'm, you know I'm, I'm you know i'm disappointed for them um i don't want people to think bad or ill of us or you know anything because it's, it's it's not us it's not you know it's not what we do it's not where we are um, you know, like I said, I've, I've sent the horse to the races in his peak of health to do his best. Um, and he has achieved to a level that is as good as he's, he's ever shown, if not better. Um, but it looks, I, I, am, I cannot dispute, it looks, it looks awful. That was uh, Chris Honor, who, who was getting quite notably uh, upset by this situation by the end of that interview jack Keane from the sun is still with me i mean jack there's there's one clear line in there that that appears to be quite significant and that is to do with the relationship that chris honor did or didn't have with the with the rider dylan kitts prior to this race yeah dylan had never ridden for the yard before yesterday um and it's you know chris uses brian carver on most of his horses um, and he and he, he stressed there that he, he was keen to get Brian to ride this horse at Worcester. Um, but the owners insisted that that Dylan got the ride. Um, and obviously, you know, Chris would be happy with that. If that's what his owners want, that's that's what his owners want. Um, but yes, he, he said he had never even spoken to Dylan before yesterday. So um, it's it, poor Chris has not been put in a very good spot here. And he, he seemed genuinely distressed. You know, his wife's been receiving phone calls um, from you guess angry punters, um, so it's it's not a nice position for him or or his staff to be in. Um, it, it just it looks awful, doesn't it? When we know that in in racing every day there are horses who are not necessarily trying their 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 fullest, but in this case, I don't think you know this is a, a running and riding offence. Like you say, this um, this smacks of an integrity issue, and um, obviously Dylan. Dylan Kitts is, is the one who's going to take the most of punters flack, obviously, and understandably so. He's the one that's ridden the horse. Um, and it's it's not a good look for Dylan, given he had a 14-day non-trial ban uh, earlier this this summer. Whether he's you know been encouraged to ride the horse in this way, that's we'll find that out in the fullness of time with the investigation. But it's just a, it's a sorry saga all round. Uh, it's a really awful look for the sport. But I, I do I do feel a, a lot of sympathy for Chris Honor. He seemed very upset there. Uh, news just coming through from the Racing Post as we're recording this, uh, Jack. Oh, my word. The Eclipse has lost a major player. 
Oh, it's it's a real blow to the race. Uh, and Matt's is is a late withdrawal uh, for for trainer Owen Burrows. He says the horse is is sore and it appears that he's developing an abscess in his foot, um, which is going to take a, a few days to heal. Obviously, the timing is absolutely dreadful for for Owen and, and for the race. Um, it looks like we're going to have just the four runners now. Obviously, Emily up, John. Uh, and Paddington being the big two, but Anne Matt was a fascinating runner, wasn't he? Obviously, he won the pre-disband last time out. So um, the race has lost a real star here, and I, I feel for Owen because this is one of his one of his top horses in the yard, and um, by all accounts, the horse is in flying form going into the race. And it seems that Owen Burrow's training career in the last year has been characterised by extreme highs and it, and sort of extreme lows. Group one wins with Hookham and Anne Matt and Minzal, and Minzal was retired straight after his win with an injury. Hookham got a career-threatening injury and then amazingly came back, but we haven't seen him since Sandown. And and this horse, you know, on the cusp of what's possibly his biggest career day, goes wrong. So it, 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 it's, it's all the extremes. Yeah, well, they say this game tames lions, don't they? And it definitely does. Like you mentioned there, obviously, Hookham was a brilliant winner at Epsom last year, then picked up an injury. This horse is, is just missing one of the biggest races of the summer. And, and Minzel obviously was at to go off and retire after his after his big win last year. So it's it's really tough for Owen. Um, he's, he's shown how good a trainer he is when he can get these horses right and get them to the big days. Um, so it's, it's just a real shame for him. But also a massive shame for the race because the Eclipse is one of the one of the biggest races of the summer. So it looks like we're going to have a, a small field and we've lost one of the stars. Yeah, I mean, and I know the attention will all be on Paddington and, and Emily Upjohn, but I, I noted Simon Crisford yesterday in a, an interview with the with the trade paper talking about um, Jamie Spencer being the key to, to West Wind blows. Spencer on the back of a Group One win last weekend with Via Sistina, a Group One win the previous weekend on an eighty-to-one shot, with the wind in his sails in a tactical race. And William Haggis hinted at it yesterday as well. What kind of tactical race it might be? I just wondered whether he might be able to pull off the the seemingly impossible. Well, I mean, it's still a bit of a long shot, I'd say, Nick. But you're right. Jamie is riding the crest of the crest of a wave at the minute, and we've we've seen in the past he's he's a bit of a momentum jockey. You know, when he gets on a roll, he can be. Um, tough to stop and as you say it will be very tactical whether they let west wind blows have a soft lead or not you know that i think they'd be loath to do that with in jamie in his current form but um it's it's only going to be a small field but it's still going to be an interesting race like you say it's it's going to be tactical and and very intriguing with the big two but also two solid horses in there against him in dubai honor and, and west wind blows all right coral eclipse sound down saturday now jack um, another racing syndicate has been forced to close down, uh, is out of pocket and has left uh, a senior trainer, Rebecca Menzies, significantly out of pocket, um, I think to the tune of £20,000. What's happened here? Yeah, so Rebecca Menzies released a statement yesterday on her social media saying the uh, the breath of Fresh Air Racing Club um, have been forced to close. Uh, she's been owed in excess of around twenty grand in in training fees um, and she's been advised to to sell some of the horses in order to settle some of the some of the debts it's obviously an awful situation for rebecca to be put in uh, obviously we know that that syndicates are a, a, there's you know that there's been a huge growth in syndicates in racing in recent years and they are a very important part of the sport's future but we need to ensure that you know almost a, a fit and proper person's test is in place before some of these syndicates and, and racing clubs are, are launched because 
you don't want trainers to be put in this situation nor, nor other syndicate members you know it's it's not a great position for for anyone to be put in um so obviously rebecca's she's not happy about this she's she obviously she stressed that she has a, a lot of fantastic syndicates in her yard but we have seen this from time to time that syndicates can go insolvent and and it leaves the yards in, in a very awkward position as as rebecca is now I've just had a, a word back from the, the BHA. I asked them about this this morning and they were sort of saying to me with the, with the number of people involved in setting up syndicates and racing clubs, the risks are going to be quite carefully managed. And to re- regulate this area, the BHA is already engaged in a project to introduce a license for syndicators and club managers and is at the moment working with stakeholders to establish the requirements for the proposed assessment of an applicant's competence and capability and you know sooner rather than later really you you don't want to be preying on people's people's goodwill and and then and then leaving them with a bad experience no absolutely not and you're right it's it's this it's not as straightforward as just having one owner one sole owner um obviously the bha can do their checks and their their suitability checks on them if you've got a a racing club with multiple members in it you you know it's a lot more difficult so as you say it's because we, we can't have these situations keep cropping up all over all over the place because it just leaves so many people as you say with a a sour taste in their mouth all right if you were with us yesterday on the podcast you'll have heard me uh, and lee motter senior writer from the racing post discussing the the twin appeals that are going to take place out of the pretty poly stakes so jamie spencer's trying to get his six-day ban quashed or reduced presumably with the intention of getting a group one exemption so he can ride in the july cup uh, amongst other things, and perhaps there's also a bit of a preemptive strike on the basis that um, the Huey Morrison Stay Alert team are appealing the result of the race uh, and are hoping to get Stay Alert promoted uh, at the expense of the um, first past the post via Sistina. Uh, Stay Alert runs in the colours of Sir Martin Arbib and his son Ben, who who joins me now. The Arbib family have owned racehorses. Uh, since the days of Snurge and and many more, Strategic Choice and others, uh, back in the eighties and nineties. Uh, so Ben, you've been around the game a little bit. You've got a you've got a fair bit of, of reference. You've got a good reference frame. You're not going to go into an appeal lightly. Why have you decided to take take it up? Um, well, you know, on the day we obviously saw it on the big screen when it happened, real time, and you know the inquiry did go on for twenty minutes, which means obviously they were having a very good look at it. And, you know, I saw it probably five or six times, you know, live before the, you know, before the result was announced. And, and for me, you know, you see, you see the, the, the favourite and the winner not only go across, you know, one horse, but four horses from, you know, coming down, you know, the stand side to, to, to land up on the rails. And the two bits of interference that were absolutely immense were, you know, the Lady Bamford horse that eventually comes forth, which completely got stopped in its tracks. And then the Bamford horse then landing on our horse, which also got stopped in our tracks. And and if you actually, you know, I don't know if we can get the time splits, but we were we were out the back. You know, the jockey gave it a great ride. That's where we told told him to to, to leave her. And, and, you know, she won a race in at Newbury and showed a really quick turn of foot last last year and we were hoping if she turned up with that kind of form on the day we we were actually i know our odds were 25 to 1 and 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 the favorite was 64 but you know i flew out to ireland because i was expecting to 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 run a big race and and win it um and the issue is is you know when when our horse has been absolutely checked and stopped we were alongside the winner so like for me i don't understand how yes 
the winner's gone and won by two lengths. Um, but if you, you know, if you were a human and a hundred meter runner, and, uh, and you know you're, you've got twenty meters to go, and you get body checked, like, uh, and and another runner didn't get body checked, then it's going to probably win by twenty meters. So we've actually, if you look at the video, uh, we've actually caught the winner from the moment we got checked. So for us, there's two there's two lines there, um, and uh, as the rules go, for me, you know, what is uh, careless riding and what is dangerous riding? You know, I've freeze framed the 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 race probably a hundred times now at different angles, and the fact is, uh, you know, I understand you know horses can hang, but for me, you know, the favourite started to hang towards the rails. It you know it got tugged back towards to to, to, to to try and get a straight line, and it ended up crossing the whole width of the racetrack whilst taking out four horses that were one for them placed second, third, fourth, and in my view. I think the Bamford horse would have come third and I definitely know our horse would have been, I, I still think it was going to win because it has a, it has a blistering turn of foot and, it, and the conditions were perfect. So for me, it was, you know, I think it's, it looks like dangerous riding to me and I'm, I'm just worried. Like, what does it take? Does it take the Bamford horse to fall, the jockey to fall, the, but, you know, perhaps go down our horse fall. Is that then dangerous riding? You know, I don't, I don't know. Um, and my worry is if jockeys are going to keep, you know, basically riding at all costs to win and accept, you know, a ban. And, it, you know, it's, I'm interested that there's an appeal against the length of that because, you know, I've, I watch a lot of racing. And for me, that was, you know, it wasn't just one bit of interference. It was multiple bits of interference. And so are you attacking the appeal on a on an upgrade of the of the offence to, to dangerous riding? Or are you attacking the appeal on actually... We've got a, a strong case here that, but for that interference, on the balance of probability, Staler would have won, and that Via Sistina has, in fact, improved her position on the basis of that interference. I mean, we have to go along the dangerous riding, but yeah, I do believe I, 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 I do believe we would have actually won as well without being totally checked because she was she was alongside and going going perfectly, and you you, you just never know. But but it was for me, it was dangerous riding. It, it was only. The favourite was only straightened up after and it interfered with with basically all the horses that were what had a chance in the race. Um, but the rules are different over here, you know. I mean, France, America, Hong Kong. That horse would have been placed last straight away. It wouldn't have. I mean, it would have taken a minute inquiry. That's Ben Arbib, co-owner of Stay Alert, who was second past the post in the Pretty Poly Stakes. Uh, there clearly is a, a significant degree of intent behind that appeal, which will be heard by the Irish Horse Racing Regulatory Board uh, on Tuesday. A very important initiative was launched last week in British racing by the Horse Welfare Board, and it was the first ever thoroughbred census. Uh, I'm joined today by uh, Helena Flynn, who's the programme director for the Horse Welfare Board, and Stephen Wensley, who's the data project lead, to explain a little bit more and to explain why it's incredibly important that we all get involved in this for the secure future uh, of the thoroughbred. Helena, perhaps I could start with you. Um, what are you What are you trying to achieve by, by establishing this census, first of all? Um, so as part of the Horse Welfare Board strategy to improve traceability for all horses bred for racing, we've launched this first ever thoroughbred census, uh, which will be carried out by Hartwell University and in partnership with ROR. 
And what we're trying to do, the, the key objectives of this is to improve traceability. So we, so we have improved data, ROR and the industry, and we can better support owners through better education and have better informed communities. Um, and also, you know, for the fast and effective contact in the event of an equine disease outbreak. And, and, and we're trying to increase the registration with ROR. We know today they have a membership of about 12,000, and that's representative of about 35 to 40% of the estimated population of former racehorses. So there's a real opportunity there, a real opportunity to grow the data. So we're, we're in a better position to support. The census is going to run, it, it started last week um, on the 28th of June, and it will run right through to the 31st of December. And over that time, you'll see us joining hands and being supported by World Horse Welfare, Weatherbees, and obviously the Racing Foundation that have funded this. But you'll see six months of activity, and we'll, we'll use that time to land responsible ownership messages. Various initiatives and incentives will take place, but the, but the ultimate goal here is to improve traceability. Um, Stephen, where would you say the biggest gaps have been so far? What alarms you the most and what needs rectifying uh, most urgently? Well, as, as Elena said, the, the gap is several steps away from racing. Uh, we lose contact with people because uh, the only form of identification and traceability we've got in that aftercare sector really is the um, equine passport, the ID documents. And the further you get away from racing, the less compliance there is with completing that documentation. So we've got less idea about where a lot of those horses are four or five steps away from racing. And in terms of the, the nuts and bolts of this, how easy is it if you have if you have owned a thoroughbred or own a thoroughbred that is no longer in training or in a racing yard to to, to give you the data? The, the census form is hosted on the ROR registration website and takes a few seconds to complete and gives us the information that we need to identify future education requirements, whether the, um, the locations of the horses, so we can geographically deliver those kind of education requirements through ROR going forwards. So it's quite an easy process. It's co-hosted on the ROR website to encourage people to register with ROR if they're not existing members as well. And the, the linkages through to Weatherbees for passport updates are on that page as well, should people need to um, update ownership or uh, report the death of a thoroughbred. And Helena, to what extent is it is it important that um, you know, records are kept for for retired racehorses? People will be thinking, well, you know, what, why does a retired racehorse need a need a passport, need an updated passport, need the same level of, of veterinary care and compliance as they do when they're in training? What would you what would you say to that? Well, it's incredibly important. We know as an industry, traceability is one thing that we, you know, from the Horse Welfare Board's perspective, it's a huge focus area, ensuring, and I think it's what the public will expect from us. They expect that level of understanding and traceability. So first, firstly, to have that traceability, but secondly, and, and, and most importantly, to be able to support the community, to be able to support those horses through their careers. And the many careers, you know, what, what the data is telling us so far is, you know, the, these horses go into many different careers and other equine disciplines. And it's so important to be able to kind of follow that journey, have the support there at the various steps. And, and everything from, you know, working alongside uh, Ora Warren and David Catlow is, you know, he's looking at, at, at what funding the industry needs, what funding we need, what provisions we need in place for, for aftercare. And, and having this data will inform that so we're better prepared and in a better position 
and to support. Um, Stephen, can I ask a little bit about early life of, of horses? You know, that that group of horses that are are, bo- are born or bred to be to be racehorses, but never actually make it to the to the track. But it seems to me this is a this is sometimes a a group of of thoroughbreds that that gets overlooked because we we concentrate quite rightly in in rehabilitating, rehoming, uh, retraining. Um, and just giving horses a good home after they've finished racing. What about those that never make it to to the track, the kind of the lost generation, if you like? There's quite a lot of work happening with the uh, Fairbury Breeders Association in terms of education for the breeders um, in those early stages of um, around those responsible ownership requirements. Um, So, and changes within the rules of racing are providing some sort of traceability uh, steps as well so all those horses are now signed out of the food chain to, to race in britain and uh, vaccinations are now happening on a regular basis as well so there are those breadcrumbs um we've also got the defra uh, consultation coming through so that uh, took place last year the defra working through those requirements this year towards a digital id across the whole equine space in britain and that will include um, other steps for traceability like temporary locations and temporary ownership and uh, the better enforcement of the, the passport schemes. So in terms of traceability, those steps are progressing in those kind of areas as well. Yeah, as as we progress through through our digital era, and uh, we are all you know traceable by our by our mobile phones now. Um, Helena, what is the what is the logical endpoint here as regards the ability to to track and and trace horses by their location? Well, well, the ambition, the ambition from a horse welfare board perspective is is, is to, to be able to track every horse, to be able to know exactly where these horses are ending up, what careers, what paths they're taking, and having having that support in place. And it's I mean, to, to, uh, do you, when you say that, do you mean to, to be able to track them digitally? Like, I mean, you know, you could you can tell where I am right now, or at least my nearest and dearest cat. Yes, yeah, I mean that would be that would be the ambition the ambition how whether it's digitally or otherwise but obviously in today's world the digital route would, would seem would seem the most sensible sensible option but as I say just to be able to know where these where these animals are but ideally yes ideally digitally and um, but I, I just wanted to go back to something Steve, Stephen was was referencing there around you know the understanding that kind of broader picture and the work that's been done just to highlight from, from the work that we're, we're doing, working with key stakeholders across the industry, we're looking at that full life cycle. When, and it's great to have the opportunity to talk about the census today, but that's just one initiative of many. Uh, Steve and his role in leading the traceability piece, working alongside the data team at the BHA, is looking at all areas, that full life cycle, from breeding to to end of end of career, and what are the various initiatives that we can put in place, and steps to ensure that we have that full level of traceability. And my thanks to Helena and to Stephen. And do make sure that you register your thoroughbred on the census by going to ror.org.uk and clicking on the registration link. And it's a very straightforward process. Well, delighted to uh, help to announce uh, a very important new prize money boost for racing in Bahrain this morning, uh, and that is a a significant addition to the Bahrain International Trophy that takes place in November, traditionally each year, 
and which has also had a, a significant upgrade to its patent status. I'm joined by uh, the High Committee representative for international racing, Sheikh Salman bin Rashid Al Khalifa. Uh, Sheikh Salman, uh, Bahrain racing we know has has grown in profile significantly over the last three or four years. Tell us a little bit more about uh, how it's going to be boosted in 2023. Yeah, thank you for uh, for having me. Um, I'd like to, of course, uh, start with uh, the Bahrain International. Um, I'm very happy to announce that uh, the RHC has officially received the approval from the Asian Patent Committee to promote the Bahrain International from uh, Group 3 to, to Group 2 status. Um, getting the race promoted from Group 3 to Group 2 in just above uh, a year and a half, I think, is, um, is a great achievement and shows the confidence of uh, the uh, Asian Patent Committee in the race and the quality of horse participating in the race. Um, now our main target is to achieve Group 1 uh, status. Um, the race has attracted top quality horses from uh, different racing jurisdictions, um, which just shows its international uh, nature. Um, last year, uh, of course, the Bahrain International winner, uh, Dubai Future, um, is rated 113 and showed um, top quality form when finishing second to uh, Mustahdif in the Newham Turf in Saudi. Um, and I think that just um, shows how uh, competitive the race is. Uh, we've uh, increased the prize money for the Bahrain International from £600,000 to one million US dollars for our upcoming race um, in November. Um, and I think that will uh, definitely contribute to attracting um, even better horses um, for the race. Um, the race was uh, viewed um, at 165 uh, countries uh, last year um, with, I think, a, um, a great uh, media, media reach. Uh, in addition to the increase um, of the prize money for the Bahrain International, we've increased the prize money for the Bahrain Turf Series which we're going to uh, host for the first for the third uh, year next season 2324 um the uh, turf series consists of 10 races scheduled to start from december to february uh, five races dedicated for sprint five and six for long horses um and uh, the other five races dedicated for middle distance horses nine and ten furlong uh, horses. The prize money um, has increased from £60,000 to $80,000 for each race, in addition to US$40,000 bonus for the winning horse in each pot, uh, 25000 for the owner and 15000 for the trainer. Um, it, it's honestly really nice to see the progression um, and, uh, you know, the confidence uh, we're getting from uh, trainers, owners um, from uh, England and, and across Europe. Uh, the, the race has, uh, the Bahrain International has maintained um, uh, an average uh, first four placings of, of uh, above uh, 110 clearly in the last couple of years. Um, and I think with uh, with this uh, addition or the the the, the uh, the, the price uh, increase um, will help, of course, attract um, even better horses for the race, hopefully. Uh, and Sheikh Zaman, will we see you in Newmarket next week for the for the Bahrain Trophy? I know it's uh, normally a, a big highlight of your calendar. Absolutely. It's, it's um, uh, you know, it's, it's when we start uh, campaigning uh, uh, for our races uh, in Bahrain. 
um, and uh, I'll definitely uh, uh, be there. And and uh, you know, happy to say that we're we're sponsoring the three uh, main races uh, on the first day of the uh, July Cup uh, meeting: uh, the Princess of Wales uh, Stakes and the uh, Kingdom of Bahrain. Uh, July stakes and the Bahrain Trophy, um, and and I think it's a great opportunity for us to uh, showcase Bahrain racing at Newmarket Racecourse, and and we have a very a very long um, standing uh, association with uh, Newmarket Racecourse and the Jockey Club, um, and uh, it's it's one of the most prestigious meetings uh, of the season, and definitely one of the most uh, exciting meetings as well. Thanks to Sheikh Salman. Now we are off from Bahrain to Hong Kong and we are getting down toward the final stages of the Hong Kong season. Here's J.A. McGrath. Nick, we are well into the home straight in Hong Kong. In fact, we are inside the final half furlong. The jam stick is looming large. Yes, only four race days left in the Hong Kong season, which comes to a close on Sunday week, Sunday the 16th of July. On the jockey front, Zach Purton remains on target to beat Joe Moreira's record of 170 wins in a season. And as for trainers, John Size is poised to sail past George Moore's record of 11 trainers' titles. As I say, the last cluster of meetings remain. And a warning, if you cannot stand short price favourites, look away now. In early betting on today's meeting under lights at Happy Valley, yes, that's right, a Thursday night meeting, there are five odds-on favourites in the last six races. And I reckon most of them will go in. Purton rides two of them, rewards Smile for size in the nightcap, a Class 3 sprint over six furlongs, 1,200 metres, and management folks for David Hall in race four, which is a class four handicap over a mile and three, 2,200 metres. Reward Smile, an interesting runner, was formerly trained by Hugo Palmer, won a Windsor nursery for Hugo, and uh, shapes as a horse with plenty of potential. He's one from four in Hong Kong, and in the three times that he was beaten, he finished second. So he's a model of consistency, and he deserves to put another win on the board here. So race nine, number six, reward smile to win for Zach Purton and John Size. And put in number four, Wings of War, as the next best. I'm expecting this horse to deliver pretty soon. Uh, carries the colours of South African owner Mary Slack and is trained by Tony Millard. Uh, this horse, uh, you might recall, uh, back in his earlier days, he was quite a useful horse for Clive uh, Cox. So I think he's one to keep an eye on. That's uh, number four, Wings of War. So race nine, number six, Reward Smile to beat four Wings of War and take those in a tote swinger and multiples. Earlier on in race four, number four, Management Folks is a, is a, a five-year-old Irish gelding and he's two from 13 in Hong Kong and they're overstaying trips that he wins over. So uh, I think that he might go in as well. Another good thing on the card is in race eight, uh, number one, Joyful Hunter. Has had only the one start, absolutely bolted in, goes up eight pound in the long handicap. That won't affect him and he'll go in again, but at a very, very short price. So that's all on the Hong Kong beat this week. I'll have more for you next week. Okay, uh, thanks to all my guests today. Jack Keane is with me with a selection for you for today.
Yeah, Nick, we're going to go up to Perth over jumps today in the 318. Uh, Stuart Crawford horse, Champ de Gain. Uh, he's, he caught my eye at, at Cartmel last time over the, around the sharp two miles there. He's up to two and a half. Um, he's off a decent mark and Daryl Jacobs on board. It, it looks a very winnable race. It might be quite tactical, but I think um, the extra half a mile here is really going to suit him. So I'm going to go for Champ de Gain in the 318 at Perth. Jack, thanks so much. Thank you very much for listening. That was Thursday, July the 6th. Back to do it again tomorrow. Bye-bye.